Okay, we're in Revelation chapter 4. We're going to pick up uh, where we left off last time. I know I only got two verses in chapter 4, but I thought they were kind of important that we drill down and look at them. But I'll read the whole chapter, all 11 verses, and I think uh, what I'm shooting for is to get uh, to accomplish verses 3 through 11 today here in, in teaching. So let's give our attention to the Word of God. We'll get the, uh, the reading, hearing blessing right, right away. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him and sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Um, God, add to our reading your blessing, the wonder of your throne room. And, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of nerved up that I'm going to Charlie Brown this tremendously bad and that, you know, we, we're here so infrequently. Lord, give us a vision of heaven, the, the vision of your throne room. Show us, wow us with the things that you'd love to just thrill us with, Lord. And teach past my limited ability, Lord, just... Tell us the things, Lord, that you you wrote this for a reason. We would know the reason here this morning. We ask that you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. After this, metatauta, I looked. After what? The church age. This is after the church age. I looked. There was a door open in heaven. The first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking to me. who said, come up hither. That's the rapture we talked about this last week at length. We won't just... Just making reference to it here. Come up hither. What will you hear? I think I'll hear, come up here, Adam. I, I don't think you'll hear that. I think you'll hear your own name. And I think worldwide we'll hear it in our, our native language. Does God know all the languages of the world? Of course he does. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. He's capable. And what will happen uh, immediately I was in the spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, one set on throne. But you're not going to be in the spirit. You're going to be bodily resurrected, whether you're quite dead or not. New body, 
in heaven instantaneously. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, next time we get on Wednesday night, we'll pick up uh, teaching on the rapture and so more at that time. Now, the rest of this is with a few times in Scripture we're treated to a picture of heaven. We are very stupid as a society, as a culture, especially anything that comes from Hollywood when it comes to heaven. You ever see that abominable movie, Robin Williams, What uh, Dreams May Come? You ever see that? Oh, you didn't? Good. Oh, you did? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I know. I, I repent, too. Uh, look, I, I remember they used to have Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know, and or Flintstones or whatever, and they have a little angel Fred Flintstone, a little devil Fred Flintstone on his shoulder and trying to get him to... And, and we go down, a, you know, heaven, and we go to, down to hell, and it's just, you know... There's a guy in like a red leotard there with a trident pitchfork kind of thing. and It's all hot and it's really not so good. Which is, by the way, semi-accurate in some, in some ways. It's not a pleasant place. Jesus said, you know, you'd, you'd rather, you should, if you go into hell because your eyes are taking you, they gouge your eyes out. You don't want, you don't need them. It, it's, it's better that you should enter into heaven blind. Will you enter into heaven blind? No, you'll have your eyes restored. But if they're, you know, because I, I, I talk to people and they say, well, you know, they're, they're scoping out women or something like that. I'll say, that's a bad idea. And they'll say, well, good eyes, don't I? Eh, rip them out if that's the problem. You know, uh, I, I want to slug some guy, you know. He's bothering me so much. You know, and I was like, cut your right arm off. It's better to go into heaven. Without, it's, hell is an awful place. But heaven's an awful place. According to Hollywood or, or whatever Bugs Bunny cartoon or Flintstones, whatever you're watching, you're going to be a, you're going to have a harp one, you're going to have a halo two, wings that are too small to take you anywhere you want to go. That's interesting, and you're going to sit in a cloud playing a strumming this harp forever. You ought to get your theology from the Bible, not from Bug, Bugs Bunny cartoons, whatever abysmal movies out there. That's all I'm saying, okay? This is a heavenly scene, and it's dramatic, and it's incredible. And I want to, John is struggling with language here, and he's, well, it's like this, and it's kind of like this, and uh, it's like, and he's trying to describe something that's undescribable. And I wish I had words that would give you thought pictures, because pictures worth a thousand words, but it's almost like you've got to see this to see this. And I'll, I'll do what I can, but I'm going to tell you right now, I I. All I got is all I got. But this is where the sovereign of the universe is. And it's all about him. And it's all about Jesus Christ. Jesus is in this picture. He'll, he'll have a dramatic entrance in chapter 5. Prepare yourself for that. It's just incredible stuff. But here he's alluded to in several places. But let's get in or we'll never get out, right? It was in the spirit. And what is the first thing he sees? A throne. And one sat on the throne. Listen, we told you, and I told you, and we've said, and I've said, and we've said, we're in the last days, perilous times. Okay, we know this, and we know that we know this. So there's a few types of Christians. There's one like, ah, you know, we can't wait for everything to return to normal. There's no more normal. That we're going to a place that we've never been before as a world and as a church, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convey this to you. Brace for impact. It's going to get, it's going to be a bumpy ride. 
And so there's people who don't believe that or do believe it and they're freaking out. And I, neither one of those uh, outcomes are what God wants. Don't freak out. God's on the phone. He's, uh, no matter what you've been through before, and you've been through some stuff. I know a lot of your stories, and I, and you've been through some stuff. And, and what happened? God was there the whole time. He was faithful, and He saw you through. And He's still on the throne. And nothing's coming into your life that isn't Father filtered, that isn't, He's a loving Heavenly Father. Sometimes He lets stuff happen to us where we're freaking out and saying, why, Lord, why? And He's good, and He, He, you know, the trying of our, of our faith is a very important thing to him. And you can look at this as like a test ground, not to see if we get heaven or not, but to, it's a refinement process. He's, he's getting rid of the stuff in our life that doesn't need to be there. And it's a painful process. And we look to him, we say why, and he, he, he's faithful, saying, just trust me, just trust me, I know what I'm doing, I've been doing this a long time, I love you. And freak out is not the right response. Cavalier nonchalance isn't really right, the right response either. So I'm trying to thread the needle. God's in control and bad stuff's going to happen. We're not going through the tribulation. What's going to happen before that? Who, I don't know. So, you know, mom was over about a month and a half ago now and she's sitting in my living room and she's like, you know what they're doing now? Oh my goodness, you know what they're doing? And she's freaking out. And I'm like, mom, I read the book and the back... We win, but before that, there's going to be a one-world government. There's not going to be a one-world government plus America. We're not Teflon. It, it's going to be a one-world government. And then out of that, there's going to be a ten-toes phase. You know, we, we know we've been to Daniel. We've studied it at length. There's a ten-kingdom consortium. And out of that, the Antichrist arises. Uh, you know, the mark of the beast, the whole thing. You have to bow down and worship him. If not beheading, a uh, fiery furnace of affliction is going to, and we, we know all the verses. We, we understand all that. How much of that's going to happen before? Is it like rapture and then next day one world government? Or are we seeing the before effects of that now? I don't, I don't know. Because nobody really knows how much the church is going to have to endure. Oh, I know this. We're not going to have to endure the tribulation. But the church of Jesus Christ has had persecution for 2,000 years. And the church in America is not exempt from persecution. Um, a bill passed, I think it was this week. What, what, what was the, somebody knows the name of that, that Equality Act or something like that. Basically, there's no men, there's no women anymore. That's the that's nature law. You can read it. It's almost like, <laughs> I could, Satan might have read it, wrote it, and did, and and not, and nobody could have done a better job. It's incredible what it says. Incredible. Is that aimed at the Church of Jesus Christ? Oh, well, among other things, yeah, yeah. Are we going to go? Is going to be business as usual? Yeah, no, never again. I don't think. Is that okay? It's the way it is. And instead of, oh my goodness, look what they're doing. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Get your view. Don't look here and here and here and here. Look here up to what's going on above. And that's what I want to do this morning. God's not like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming. God is not freaking out. He's the sovereign of the universe. He is so in control. I know. 
chaos, crazy stuff, worldwide pestilence. We've never been through a pandemic before. God's in control. He said, I got this. I, you are freaking out. You didn't know, but I know all along. And I'm, I'm so totally in control. Let's, now, he that sat to look upon was like a jasper and a sardine stone. Thanks, John. <laughs> so you can you can tell us that this is the, okay. There's someone sitting on the throne. This is what he looked like. Well, he's kind of like a jasper and kind of like a sardine stone. And you don't even know what any of those are. Probably like a diamond and probably like a a sardius is a. By the way, those are the first and last stones in the breastplate of the high priest. The first one is Reuben's stone. Reuben means behold a son. A little prophetic there. And Benjamin is the last, and that's the Sardius stone. It means the son of my right hand. So both of those point to Jesus Christ, the son, right? Um, the jasper is kind of bright, like a diamond. And it's, think about it like, so the glory of God is being expressed here in, in light. In him is no darkness at all. We should know that. In the beginning, God said, light be. He didn't make himself. He but that's the first expression of his being. I mean, that's what, that's, you know, light, illumination. That's, he's the first thing he created. Um, but this jasper stone, this diamond, it's like white light. Like, remember like when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? He was brighter than the sun. They couldn't even look at him. Think like that. But the sardine stone, the sardius, is, is kind of red-ish. What does that remind us of? The blood of Jesus Christ? It's kind of like blood red. I don't know. So we have this bright light, bright white light, diamond light, and from that is these flecks of red. This takes us past the boundaries of language. Was he light? No, he was to look upon like it's like this, but it's not quite this. It's a, he's like a jasper and like a siding stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Emeralds are green, right? So you think of the rainbow and we think of like Roy G. Biv, you know, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, right? You, you all know that. So is it like that? No, it's kind of green. Is it like different greens all the way through? There's like Kelly green and there's like, you know, lime green. And the, I, 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 I don't know. I'm reading the same. It's like an emerald, okay? And, and is it a rainbow, a bow, or is it a bow, like a halo? Is it, I, I, I'm, what, do we, what can we do with this? I don't know. It's funny to me, there's a group of people who have determined to make the rainbow their sign because after the worldwide flood, God put a rainbow in the sky and said, I'm going to see the rainbow and it's going to remind me I'm never going to wipe out the world again by flood. Read the, read the fine print. It's going to be fire next time. He's getting ready to move out in judgment. They picked a really funny, if you ask me, symbol. Because they think it means don't judge. And that's not what it means. And it's certainly not what it means here. In chapter 5, the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is going to take the scroll from the right hand of him who's sitting on the throne. He's going to start opening the scroll in chapter 6. And all hell literally is going to break loose on the earth. And I think this rainbow emanating is a sign of imminent judgment. So whatever rainbow you want to fly, hey, God made the rainbows. Rainbows are wonderful. I, I am always in awe when I see a rainbow. I think it's, it's awesome. And it reminds me of God and his goodness to us. But it does not 
I, I think like, okay, we're Teflon. I can send up a storm and God's okay with it. I don't think that's ever what it meant, even once, even ever. But there's a rainbow round throne inside like an emerald. Round the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. They had on their heads crowns of gold. It's not about them, but it's about them. Who's that? I'm going to spend two or three or four next four weeks discussing this, or you can just take it, <laughs> that this is the church of Jesus Christ. You say, there's got to be a lot more than 24 people who are saved. Yeah, even in this room. But these are representative of the whole of Christianity, the whole of the bride of Christ. You say, well, 12 and 12 is 24, like 12, like, like, the, like the tribes and 12 apostles. That's good, but I don't know why you'd come up with that. I, I, you know, the only time you find 24, and go ahead and look it up in Scripture, is 24 in First Chronicles 24, easy for, to remember. You can look this up later on. David puts the priests in 24 courses. So twice a year, your course, your group, is at Jerusalem doing the priest function. And then you've got to be there three times a year besides you know, once in spring, the, the Feast of Passover. Well, it's actually Feast of Unleavened Bread. And you've got to be in the summertime, the Feast of Pentecost. And you've got to be in the, the fall, the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so you've got to be there. So you've got to serve like five weeks a year as a priest. And he put him in these courses. Okay, you're the course of Abijah. And so you've got to be. And so we see the 24 is representative of all the priests. Okay, so it's a representative number, and I think it's still a representative of all the priests. Well, who are the priests? Hello, we're, we're kings and priests. They're on thrones, kings, right? They're the priests. They're, they're the, they're because the, the only time you see 24 in scripture is the priests, and I think this, it's, it's still the same thing. And I'm going to show you, especially next week, why they're the, they're the, they're the redeemed, the, the Christians, as we would say, the bride of Christ. Because they're the only ones who can sing the song that they're singing about redemption. Here, they're on, uh, they're on thrones, right? Uh, around the throne were four and twenty seats. The word is thronos in, in Greek, thrones, and it's the same word as throne uh, around about the throne, except it's in plural. It's, I, I don't know why they just said seats, but they're thrones. Uh, is, is there anywhere in Scripture where God promised us that we'll rule and reign with Him? Yeah, a lot of places. More than I can even tell you. But right back in the promises to the churches. Like He says to the Thyatira church, the, you know, the Jezebel church, you're all about ruling? Well, forget that old Jezebel. You'll rule and reign with me if you're an overcomer. Are they overcomers? Well, yeah, they have heads uh, on their heads, they have crowns of gold. Not diadem crowns. Like, like uh, royalty, this is like the crown of uh, somebody who overcomes in the arena, who, who's an athlete who wins their event. It's a Stefano's crown, the crown of the overcomer. Do, do we have to go back and visit overcomers? Because we talked about that at length. We took a whole Sunday looking at overcomers. Are these overcomers? Well, they were in overcomer crowns, and they were, they were in, sitting on thrones that Jesus promised a church exclusively that would have. He promised Old Testament saints too, so you know you could make that twelve and twelve. I, I don't see it, but I won't. I won't debate it. They're clothed in white raiment. Is there anywhere where Jesus 
says that you'll be clothed with me in white. Gee, I wish I could come up with an example. It's all through the New Testament, specifically in one of the promises to the overcomers. Several times he says, you'll walk with me in white for you're worthy. He says to the overcomers. And I can go back and show you all the verses, but I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming you know them. And again, they had on the head crowns of gold. So I think these are you and me, or representations of you and me. I think the fullness of the bride here is in heaven. Well, how do you think that, Adam? Well, after this, the church age, I heard a voice, sound of a trumpet talking to me, saying, come up hither. Oh, we're up hither. With our Stephanos crowns, dressed in white, on thrones, beautiful. Thank you for keeping all your promises, Jesus. You're so awesome. I knew I knew I, knew I could count on you. I knew that I'd never have to. You, you, I, I just... I, that's why I, I was trying to convey to you, we're all overcomers. It's not like how well you triumph. It's Your triumph is your faith. Remember we were looking in Romans 8 and we looked in 1 John and I had the verses there and everything? This is, this is us. Glory to God, by the way. Out of the throne proceedeth lightnings and thunders and voices. And that reminds us of the Revelation song, doesn't it? Whoever wrote that, they got it here, and they did a good job. But we're going to see lightnings and thunderings and voices all through, and we'll take that up one, another time. There were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Yeah, I wonder what those seven lamps are. Don't guess. It tells us right here which are the seven spirits of God. It's God, it's God has seven Holy Spirits. Seven, we talked about this, and I'm going to talk about it again. Seven is the number of completion. So what the Spirit, what the Bible's telling us, what the Spirit of God is telling us, the Spirit of God is totally in heaven at this point. Uh, how do you say about a being that's omnipresent, like the Spirit of God, that they're in one place? Well, this, if you ask me, totally the Spirit of God is in heaven. Later on, when Jesus is introduced, he's going to have seven horns. I don't know a lamb that has any horns. Jesus has seven of them. What is horns? Power. All powerful. Ah, oh, he'll have seven eyes. It's kind of a funky looking lamb if you think about it. No, don't, don't make a picture of that in your head. One of the eyes all round like a crown. No, all seeing. All knowing. Ah, oh, I get it. Well, here he's talking about the totality of the Spirit of God. Listen, when we go up, the Spirit of God goes with us. Where's the Spirit of God in the world now? Inhabiting the church. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're going up so see. So is that it? No chance of salvation? Spirit will return and will do uh, work with people and bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. At this point, the Spirit of God. I think that's what the seven spirits of God in heaven. It's saying that the totality of the Spirit of God is in heaven. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. In the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four living creatures. Let's talk about the sea of glass like crystal. I think this is a picture in the Old Testament when you came into the tabernacle and later on the temple. The first thing you came to was the laver. It's what you would wash with. It's a picture of the Word of God. Here it's still, I think, a picture of the Word of God, but there's no need to wash in heaven. It's what the saints are standing on. That's what most people think, and that's kind of what I think. It's like crystal. By the way, this is this is incredible. You got the you know this white light, red light. You got this emerald kind of halo thing going. 
here, this uh, emerald uh, rainbow. You've got a, a sea-like crystal in a place where the streets are gold. Um, there's opulence here. You know what I mean? Uh, more than... Never mind. <laughs> I just, it, it's amazing to me. In the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four. I hate this. Beasts. Full of eyes before and by. Anyone get something besides beasts? Living creatures. And that's, that's what they are. Zoa is the, is the Greek word. Like we get the word zoo. They're not beastly. Terion is the Greek for like the beast that comes out of the sea in Revelation 13. Different word. Here I think they just kind of blew it. They're, they're living creatures. What are they? Well, if I had all the time in the world, we'd go back to Ezekiel chapter 10 and we'd establish that they're cherubim. And they are definitely, because in Ezekiel 10, Ezekiel says these are cherubim, and you can read that and, and you'll see that they are these same beings. Uh, cherubim, like think in terms of super angel. And there's, I think there's angels, the watchers may or may not be part of that angelic group. I, I don't know. You say watchers like you mean like from the book of Enoch that's not even scripture? Well, yeah, but also Daniel. There's watcher angels in the book of Daniel, and that is scripture. But I don't know if that's just angels who are doing a certain job. But there's angels. And then there's seraphim, and then there's cherubim, as much as, as near as I can tell. Okay, And there's one archangel only. Some people say there's seven, but I don't see that. Um, every time it says the archangel, it's the and Michael in scripture. And um, so these this this cherubim order, I think there's only four. I think there used to be five. One was named Lucifer, and he's not, he's still a cherub, but he's a fallen cherub. Did any um, any of the other seraphim fall with him? We don't know. Did any of the angels? Yeah, about a third if you uh, read Revelation 12, but we'll get there, okay? A third of the angels go with Lucifer in the rebellion, as far as I can tell. But here, the first living creature, he was like a lion. The second living creature, he was like a calf. The third living creature, he had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Do we see that anywhere else, that lion, calf, Man and eagle. Yeah, we see it in several places in Scripture. One, in Ezekiel chapter 1 and chapter 10. Two, we see it in the camp of Israel in the four ensigns that are east, uh, west, south, and north of the, of the tabernacle. Like Judah was one of the ensigns, and that was the lion, okay? And then we have the, other, the, the others as well. Are they, are they symbolic of something? Everything in Scripture points to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the key that unlocks all the locks. You know, you're thinking about something. I, I showed this, like, I think it was on a Wednesday night, and we were talking about the, oh, because we were in Numbers, and we were talking about the city of refuge, and we saw the city of refuge. Jesus Christ is our refuge. What happened? You killed somebody unwittingly, accidentally, manslaughter, as we would say. And and you look at these cities of refuge, and it's a weird thing. If you accidentally killed somebody, you'd flee to a city of refuge. You'd have to stay there till the high priest died, and then you were able to go free. 
And so we looked at that all, and we saw that Jesus was the key to that whole, because you read something like that, and you think, what's this all about? And you apply Jesus Christ when we know about him, and you think, ah, oh, and all these riddles resolve. What is this riddle that we've got here? Well, Jesus is the lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Gospel of Matthew speaks of Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. His genealogy goes from, he's, he's remember how the book starts out? Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's shorthand for Jesus Christ, the son of David. What? The king. He's the son of Abraham. What's that? The Jews. He's the king of the Jews. That's what the book's all about. It presents him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And it goes back all the way to Abraham. It doesn't go back, the genealogy doesn't go back farther than that. Why? Because the Jewish people, like, yeah, who cares before Abraham, right? There's a bunch of Gentiles back then. So even in the, the genealogy, you can determine what the book's about. Now, Mark is, he's the ox. You think, ox, that's not very, if I called you an ox, you, you wouldn't, especially you're a lady, you wouldn't like that very much. If I said you were graceful as an ox, you'd be all upset at me. If I said to a guy, you're strong as an ox, that's a blessing. You know, so an ox is, it's kind of a funny word. And we call Jesus an ox, you're thinking like, that's not so good. He's a servant animal. He's of great strength. And, it, and the, the Gospel of Mark portrays him as such. You know the genealogy in the Gospel of Mark? Anybody? doesn't have one. Because he's the servant of Jehovah. In, in Mark, he comes not to serve, uh, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He's the suffering servant. He's the ox. He's the servant animal. And that's one of the major nat natures of Jesus Christ. He is the, he's the lion. The ruler, right? The king of the beasts. He's he's the top of the pack. He's and he's a servant. And those things would be opposite in anyone else except Jesus Christ. And we learn servant leadership from Jesus Christ, right? And then he's a man. He has to be a man. He's going to redeem men. He's our kinsman redeemer. By the way, your homework this week: read the book of Ruth and understand it, because when he takes the scroll, he has to be of our kindred to open the scroll, and we'll, we'll drill down. We'll look at that next week. Really incredible stuff. So he's, um, he's, he's a lion, he's an uh, uh, ox, and he's a man. And Luke, you know, in his genealogy, goes all the way back to Adam, showing that he's the son of man. He has man genes in him. He's, he's, he's a descendant of Adam, the original human being. And, and so Luke takes that genealogy back and shows him that he's, he's a human being just like us. That's incredible. This is incredible. God became a man. The gulf between man and God is... And he never became an unman. He went back to... He never left his divinity. Now he's in heaven. And at the right hand of God sits a human being. He's divine, but he's still human. Incredible to me. He became man. And the, and the time he, he talked about himself more than they, he referred to himself as the son of man. Um, and he's like a flying eagle. Eagle is a symbol all through scripture of divinity. And the book of John talks about his godness, his divinity. The fact that he's not just a human being, but he's the God-man. Uh, is he half, half God, half man? That's 100% lunacy and heresies, 100% God, 100% man, 100% of the time. 
Think of it that way. He's 200%, you're saying. He's more than that. He's, he's all that. So, and by the way, uh, the genealogy, it's also given to us in the book of John. Pe- most people don't recognize it. It starts the book off in the beginning. What else is the genealogy of God? But so all these four living creatures remind us of, of Jesus Christ. And the four living creatures each had six wings about him. They were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night. They're full of eyes. Are they all-knowing? No, because they don't have seven eyes. They're full of eyes. They, so whatever's under their jurisdiction, whatever, they, they, they know about it. They got it, okay? Uh, but they don't have, they're not all-knowing like God. Only God is uh, uh, omniscient, is all-knowing. But they know and they see. They have a lot of eyes. Uh, what are They were full of eyes within. By the way, another one of those thank you, John, moments. What does that even mean? What does that look like, full of eyes within? I don't know. They rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is, which was, and which is to come. So these four living creatures, they're worshipers. We see cherubim, by the way, always protecting, always around the presence of God. We see that in the tabernacle. Uh, we see that in, you know, on, the, on the, mer- the cover of the mercy seat, the lid of the mercy seat, there's a cherubim on it. They're on the embroidered work that, you know, is between the holy place and the most holy place. There's cherubim. Cherubim are always the presence, symbolic of the presence of God. Here, they're really in the presence of God. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy. Is God holy? Yes. Is he holy, holy? Yes. Is he holy, holy, holy? Yes. Why? Is that a reference to the Trinity? I think so. Is there a reference to the God who is and who, which which because here it says Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come is that why he's twice holy he's holy now he was holy yesterday he'll be holy tomorrow he's always holy is that what it's a reference to I think so yes I think it's also a reference to the Trinitarian God they cease not they do this continually Um, and so it's about worship in heaven now I worship is tough you know somebody just comes you know church here and okay this guy comes up and he starts playing guitar and we're all singing What's that about? We don't sing together as a country, except if you're at the Fenway Park singing Sweet Caroline. Been there. By the way, why? <laughs> Just <laughs> why? <laughs> I never understood that. Why Sweet Caroline, a thing in Boston? But anyway, uh, it, but I've been singing loud as anyone else, so I, I understand it. Uh, we, don't, we, we don't sing. We don't get together and sing. We don't do that. So here we are, we're singing, and people are like, oh, what's this all about? And What's this? What's this? What's I? Yeah, that's kind of weird. I, I'm just going to sit here and just kind of hope this. Kind of, it's going to get. And we don't really even need this, do we? Because I'm going to show up when the worship pot's all done. Because it's kind of a second story kind of idea. Unbelievers don't understand it. Worship is to ascribe worth to God, and you can do it more than music. Okay, I want I want you to understand that. But all through Scripture, beginning to end, people sing praises to God. And it's one of these things that the proof of the pudding is in the eating thereof. You 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 have to I can't <laughs> when I've been the closest to God in my life or moments when I've been worshiping God, God inhabits the praises of his people. People who never experienced God, just not worshippers. I'm not trying to shame you. Please listen. Listen. This past is hot. 
not trying to shame anybody. I'm trying to invite you into knowing God. Ascribe worth him. Is he worthy? Oh, he's the only one. He's going to take the book of the right hand and all heaven, heaven's going to break loose in praise and exaltation. Worthy is the lamb. Um, yeah, they're going to say, well, he, he's worthy because he created us and he redeemed us. Oh, he's very worthy. And if you're not a singer or something like that, I get that, I understand that. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. And I think we're so worried about the form. It's For years we've been debating about, you know, forms of music and in some places in the world they dance. And India, the women have these little clanging cymbal things on their fingers and they click them all through and worship and stuff like that would be very disconcerting to me, but that's fine. We're not in India. We're just, and I don't think the form is the issue. I think the heart is the issue. And I think like even, I just, if I sang horribly, you can tell by the way I talk, I don't have a beautiful voice, but I hit the notes right. And and if people around me are pained, I wouldn't even care really. And if they say, you sing horribly, I'd just, I'd turn up the volume. That's what I've always done my whole life. Oh, what'd you do with the money your mother gave you? And I just, I just give them another octave higher. I don't even care. Uh, but I just want to pour out my heart to God. I just want to say, listen, I love you. Thank you for saving me. I appreciate you so much. You're so awesome. You're so spectacular. You're so good. You're so worthy of praise. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me your son. And, and as my heart is turned towards God, God draws close. He, he, he inhabits the praises of his people. It's, the only, it's all I can say. I don't know how. And some of you have understood that. And you're there, I'm talking to me, and you're going like, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. And some of you are like, what are you on about? Well, listen, I'm inviting you to just ascribe worth to God, and you'll see what I'm talking about and say, yeah, okay, I get that now. And some of you are just going to keep on. I'm not your judge. I'm not your, I'm, I love you, and just, just keep moving. But that's what I do. There's a lot of worship in heaven. Heaven's about worship. That's all we're going to do. A millennia is going to worship God. It'll be a time. It'll be, I don't know if you've been to one of these, like, you know, like, times when, like, worship was the thing, and you go to, like, a concert, and it's all about, like, it's not like one of these, you know, popcorn, positive pop, groups, and there's plenty of them out there, you know, Christian music. You've been in one that, like, does, like, worship? It's, it's, there's nothing like it. There's simply nothing like it. When those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, it's always about him that sat on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, So, we have these Stephanos crowns, okay? Laurel wreath, if you want to think about it, that we've earned. Because we've, we've, we've done what we've done for the Lord. He's given us crowns. And you're like, yeah, not so much. I'm not a crown person. I don't wear one now. I think they're ostentatious. Probably a little gaudy. G-A-U-D-Y, gauche, we're not not crown people. Don't really want it, don't really need it. If God sees fit to reward your life with recognition, you, you you will want crowns. Because at the end of it all, we get to cast them, whatever that looks like. We come up and place them, or is it sailing like a frisbee? I have no idea. 
but we get to place our crowns, cast our crowns before him who is worthy. The only reason I'm here, the only reason I ever did anything for the Lord is because you intervened in my life. I was going to hell in a handbasket and if truth be told, enjoying the ride and all of a sudden you came and you saved me. Thank you. Hell's not a good place and I'm not going there. You're awesome. Hello. His, and I think this has to do with our capacity to worship him and enjoy him forever. So I think that crowns are the thing. And so like so later on, we're like in heaven walking down Glory Boulevard, if such a place exists, and all of a sudden there's crowns on our head again. I don't know how it works, okay? I don't, there's a lot of things. Or maybe the first time you cast your crown, that's it. He's got it, and he's, because he's worthy. Wor- worship, to ascribe worth. You're worthy. When you figure that out, listen, we're made to worship. You'll worship God or you'll worship something less. Some people don't even believe in God. Then they worship themselves. Ick. I've been around these people. Ick. Yuck. Not pretty. We have a, a place in our heart that's empty until we fill it with Jesus Christ. I invite you to do that. I, you know, He's worthy. He's, you'll see it. Take it in faith now, but there's going to be a time when you think, yeah, I see it. I'm glad you told me about that. I'm glad I, I gave him my whole life. I, I gave him everything. I didn't hold back nothing. It was total surrender. And after that, my life just took off in great places. And he used me, and he reached others uh, through me, through my witness, through my testimony, through my earnest prayers. And, and I, you know, I, I talked to others, and, and people were getting saved, and lives were getting changed, and like, God, you're awesome. And so then the, the, the crowns pile up. He says, like Paul says to Corinthians, aren't you our crown? Aren't you our glory? Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. And so God gives us this new heart, this new desire to love, to reach others, to listen. The Church of Jesus Christ, one of the major reasons we exist is for those who aren't here. Is that crazy? Show me another club like that. We care about people who are going to hell. Why? The love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. I never saw that coming. I can't tell you how many people in my life I told go to hell and meant it. Shame on me. And then God invaded my life with his Holy Spirit. And I never, I never said that again. And I certainly never meant I don't want my, my worst enemy to go to hell. Do you? I didn't have worst enemies. I don't keep score anymore. It's forgiveness and love. And and then at the end of it all, we get to be in the storm, in this scene, with 24 elders. We're there. And we get to cast our crown for the Lamb, the one who is worthy, the one who sits on the throne. Now, chapter 5, verse 1. We're not, don't worry, we're, we're done here. But I just want to kind of give you a f- taste of what's coming I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne. So this being of light, <laughs> his right hand, and uh, anthropomorphism, obviously. He sat, he's sitting on the throne. He has a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. What's that all about? And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Fair enough. 
No man in heaven nor on earth nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Huh. And I wept much. Uh, we'll go over this next week in detail. I sobbed convulsively. Paul, John, get a grip. Just, you can't see what's in the book. What's the deal? Why is this a big deal? Well, now you have homework. Serious. So uh, let's stand. Let's, let's, uh, let's worship this thrice holy God. Let's pray. Father, we... Uh, You know, the sea of glass like crystal, the, the four living creatures, the, even, even us in heaven, Lord, the, all these pale in comparison, lightning, voices, thunders, seven lamps. The big attraction in heaven is you. And we can't wait. Uh, it wouldn't be heaven if you weren't there. We thank and praise you for this little insight into what's going on, what, what awaits us. And Lord, in the days to come, just keep, keep speaking into our hearts, keep speaking into our minds. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.